welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Freedom looks like something. It looks like streams in the desert, rivers in the badlands, a path through a broken, barren wilderness. Freedom looks like something. A way where there wasn't, a chance when there shouldn't, warm breath through a lifeless, cold chest. Even through a valley of shadowy death, even in a valley of bones without breath, freedom looks like something. It's sin removed as far as east is from west. It's fearless grace, a perfect place to find pasture, peace and rest. Freedom looks like something. It's a faultless figure crouched in the dust, tracing hidden words in the sand. It's nor do I condemn you, sin no more. It's grace that offers his hands. This is follow me stuff, water to wine stuff. It's feet on the surface of the sea. Freedom looks like something. It's shattered pots of alabaster, perfume poured out, a body prepared, fragrance sweet in the air. Freedom looks like something. It looks like a dark garden, sweat that pours from his pores, a desperate plea, accept the cup, not my will, but yours. Freedom looks like something. Its hands stretched end to end, holding the weight of a body suspended on a cross on a hill in a place with a name. It's a moment, a man. It's humanity changed. Freedom looks like something. It's bitter wine. It is finished time. The last breath that wasn't his last. It's three days in the dark, ground shaken, rocks split, saints emerge from the earth. Freedom looks like something. It looks like a curtain, four inches thick, torn cleanly in two, cloth falling lifeless to the floor, an entrance opened, access granted, the glory concealed no more. Freedom looks like something. It's a blinding, piercing light that told a stone to move and emptied a limestone tomb. It looks like scars in palms. A joyous reunion, hope restored, a purpose received once more. Freedom looks like something because it actually happened and it's happening now. It is more than a token hanging on chains. It's more than coloured glass studded into old frames. This isn't policy and procedure. It's just ask and receive it. It's alive. It is true. It's been given to you. Freedom looks like something. And his name is Jesus. Lift me up. 
Fantastic. Yeah, that's really a moving song. Fantastic. Thanks. All right, musicians, you can have a seat. Give them another clap. Appreciate the band and Eleanor's spoken word moment. Uh, look, I want you to stand up with me, church, and pray. Then we're going to come around God's word. I do want to let you know um, of some very sad news that we're going to pray about. And um, Caleb asked uh, me to tell his church family about a, uh, a tragedy that occurred yesterday in his natural family. His dad passed away unexpectedly. He's in good health, uh, but uh, just had a, well, they don't know the details except that he was um, bushwalking and, and collapsed and, and has passed away. Uh, so Caleb's at the airport now. He's on his way to New Zealand um, and Eleanor will join him as soon as she can with their daughters. Uh, and, you know, it's Easter, we're celebrating victory, but it's important to remember that uh, although Jesus conquered death, he never cancelled death. And um, he died himself, and death is still part of our earthly existence. And, uh, you know, we lose loved ones, and we, uh, even with the hope of seeing them again, there's grief, there's loss, 
uh, you know, there's pain involved. And so we want to pray and, and pray for Caleb's family. And of course, there is great hope of reconciliation because Caleb's dad, Paul, uh, is a man of God and uh, has been a great, great member of his local church there in Queenstown in New Zealand. And he's with the Lord. Uh, as I said, the pain is still there for, for the family and for friends around, but um, there is that great hope. And so this is poignant and sad, but it's also just a reminder of what Easter is all about and why we are passionate about our faith and our witness and why we want other people to discover that and why we always pray together for our community, for world situations so that people come to know Jesus, yeah? So come on, let's pray together. Lord, we pray. We pray right now for Caleb at the airport. God, that you would you would come and touch his heart. Uh, Spirit of God, we thank you for his love for you, his calling and the touch of God upon him. And we thank you, he's going to be a great witness, great strength to his family, to extended family, people in that community. We pray for that, uh, the, his whole family. We thank you for his dad, for the legacy that he's left. He's so well known in that town. He's so well respected. We thank you that his uh, memorial service, uh, whenever it may be, will be a witness to so many people of her life greatly lived for the Lord. We pray for Lynn that you would touch her, touch all the siblings and their extended family with the peace of God that passes understanding, is beyond understanding that you would come, Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, touch their hearts. And we thank you, Lord God, for the power of your love demonstrated and remembered today that without you we would be lost we would be sorrowful like we heard from Christine, but with you we can be full of joy that even surpasses times of loss and sadness and grief, that we will have that great hope of, of eternal life with you in heaven awaiting us. And on the way, there's ups and downs and pain and loss and grief, but we'll get through with you, holding on to you. And we pray for many people that we know to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. We pray that our witness would continue to be clear and strong at this time of history with all sorts of crazy events going on. We pray the gospel would shine its light through our lives and others all over the coast all the Christians in different churches rising up with confidence and clarity in their call and their witness. And Lord, you would be glorified. You would be uh, remembered. You would be honoured and people would come to know you. We pray for the advance of the kingdom of God. You'll build the church. The gates of hell won't stand up against it. All over the world, people are coming to know Jesus in their troubles and trials. They'll turn to Jesus and discover him as their Lord and Saviour. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Yes, give the Lord a clap. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the power of the gospel. Hallelujah. We thank you for the Word of God. And we pray that you would speak to us today about our freedom that you've made available for us in Jesus' name. Help us to apply it to our lives for your glory. Amen. All right, have a seat. God bless you. So um, we're talking about freedom. Uh, can I, excuse me, a valet will just attend to me, thank you, right, yes, shoes need to polish off the service by the way, I was very disappointed that, uh, uh, <laughs> joke, joke, just in case anyone thinks, oh, is it one of those churches, where the pastor, yeah, yeah my water, I'd like to drink my water now please, <clears throat> no, I do actually carry my own bottle of water, you'd be pleased to know, oh, it's a bit heavy though, oh. it's normally a third full, not so heavy then, oh. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Back to the Bible. Have you ever been trapped? And, and I don't mean, you know, bailed up in the corner at a wedding by a drunken uncle launching into boring stories. I mean, I mean, you know, something I'm a little more serious physically uh, held. You know, maybe you've been lost in the bush or you've been trapped in a cave or, or held against your will, like my experience in the phone booth back on the corner of Angoffra Crescent and Arthur Street. I could take you to the point there of my trauma in uh, Forestville, uh, held by the local bully uh, while he bashed and beat away my friends of support and put me in the phone booth and kept me captive there. Uh, and uh, I was terrorised for days. Okay, hours. All right, it was probably about 10 minutes, but it felt like a long time. And uh, he was, as I said, the local bully. He loved it. All I remember, I asked one of my mates, can you remember, uh, you know, this guy's name? And my brother, because we, and no one could remember his name, but I could see his face now, <laughs> an evil, smiley face. And, um, and then, uh, of course, he eventually took off uh, with my brand-new soccer ball which I was told was rolled down Moringa Road onto Roswell Bridge uh, just an hour or so later and burst by a truck that ran over the top of it. So I'd like to think that someone witnessed to this man as he grew up uh, and that if they talked about the Bible uh, saying that you're held captive by sin, he would not be not only convicted to be born again, but perhaps that would trigger a memory about being captive and he would feel pangs of regret uh, but I'm still waiting for the financial restitution, so perhaps that hasn't ever happened. Anyway, it's about as bad as I've ever had as far as being you know, physically uh, trapped. Um, and, and of course, none of us in our great nation can really understand what it's like to, to be uh, politically trapped or needing freedom from um, uh, oppression and finding a place of, of, of safety, looking for some security. Uh, from real terrorists. But, of course, millions of people around the world do have that experience, escaping from their own countries because of war or persecution because of their faith or their ethnicity or perhaps there's famine and, uh, and they're, they're, they're on a road to freedom. And it can be a, a very long road, as this story I came across uh, demonstrates. Ten years ago, Abed Akaraf, a Akalaruf, excuse me, Abed, for not pronouncing your surname properly. Uh, he was living happily a little over 10 years ago with his wife and seven children in Dayan Zor, a large city in Syria, but it became a war zone. Uh, different Islamic militia groups fighting for control. They were all notorious for terrorising their own people. And killing them. And so people lived in constant fear for their lives. Finally, in 2015, Abed had a chance to escape, but he was forced to leave his wife and all his children behind because, like so many people, all the money they could save was just enough for one person to get away, to escape, look for a new life with the hope that they would then be able to bring the family uh, later to follow them. So his long road to freedom began. He escaped across the border to Turkey. He then made his way overland for 2,000 kilometres to get to the coast where he caught a boat to get to a Greek island of Chios. He met other refugees there who were trying to migrate to Macedonia in the north. Another treacherous trip across the Aegean Sea got him to the mainland. 
And then for months, he battled hardship, dangers, hunger, fatigue, while he worked his way through Europe. He went through Hungary, Austria, Germany, France, finally got across the channel to the UK, where he claimed asylum and was granted it. He was given residence papers. He was accepted into Northern Ireland, so he had to go even further north and settled in Belfast. But the journey had only just begun for the family because more than 5,000 kilometres away, his wife and seven children were trying to escape Syria as well. But they couldn't because their whole area was controlled by ISIS that uh, prevented them from leaving. Finally, in 2017, they got to Damascus, then on to Beirut, and then they had a great battle with bureaucracy that began. They applied for visas to join Abed, uh, but they were rejected because in the UK, the authorities weren't convinced that this was actually his wife and his kids. So they appealed. They used DNA evidence that was incredibly hard to get with the communication and all this. They proved that he was the father of all the children. They then appealed and that appeal waited for a year. The hearing then occurred. They finally had their visas granted only for COVID to hit. So that put a stop to their travels. They then got, his wife was eventually able to go to the consulate to collect the visas in Lebanon. She arrived to find six visas waiting, but a clerical error meant that she and the youngest child were left off the application. So the six youngest ones were sent to be united with their father. Here's a photo of them. And a couple of them are happy. You can see the eldest son is still not happy that mum didn't make it. And the father is sort of, I don't know, grimly aware of his freedom, but yet not completely satisfied because he's still missing his wife and youngest. But finally, I don't have a photo for the final photo, but his wife and youngest child did get their visas. Some few, a few months later, were flown to join the rest of the family, bringing an end to their five-year, 5,000-kilometre journey. And uh, what a saga, but it's the beginning of a future of freedom for them in a new country. Praise the Lord. Now, we're so blessed because we don't have to go through those sorts of hardships to find a safe, secure, free country to live in. Praise him. And, uh, but, of course, it's not perfect. You can remove the photo. Thank you. Um, and this is also not forever. We do, however, have access to another country, another kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, and citizenship there is forever, and it's for everyone. Everyone who is able to just commit their life into God's hands. And regardless of our political or physical situation in God's kingdom, we have this eternal spiritual freedom and it's going to be awesome. And of course, that road was paved by Jesus, that road to freedom that we've followed his journey over the last few weeks, his suffering, his preparation, his final week. Uh, and then, of course, he went to the cross where he paid the price for our forgiveness and, and of course today we celebrate his victory over death and, uh, and we get to, to share in that. And our roads, our paths, our journeys are all different throughout life but they all come around to meet with Jesus to receive that great freedom, that great promise around the cross. We all get there, that essential place where freedom begins. And that's where we discover the truth, the truth about ourselves, about Jesus, about what he's done for us. And as Christine had already referred to earlier in the service, let us look at this passage 
where Jesus talks about being set free. This is in John chapter 8, and uh, I'm reading from the NLT. Jesus, um, it says, he said to the people who believed in him, interestingly that he was, this is with people who were supporting him, supporting him and believing in him, uh, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And then look at this. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Isn't that interesting? That was the scripture that Christine wanted to share. It said, I mean, there's a lot of Bible verses, you know, and she knows the word. And just with that prophetic inkling and gifting and leaning that she has, she was in the flow with what I wanted to get across and what really today means for us. The truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. So these are Jewish people. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family. But a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed, or you are truly free. Yeah? Well, notice a few things in this passage here. Firstly, we're all prone to sin, habitually doing the wrong thing, making mistakes, misspeaking, as politicians say, whatever, behaving in less than perfect ways that hurt others, affect our own journey in life badly, and offend God and create a barrier between us and God. And Jesus calls his being a slave to sin. It's not just, oh, yeah, I made a mistake, oh, whatever, you know, just a little bit of a. No, no. We, without, without outside help, we can be captured by sin. We can, our lives can be directed by sin. You, you, you might want to go there, but sin keeps taking you this way. And, uh, and it can rule your life. You suffer under its control. Notice that the people, as I said, they were Jewish and they didn't like the implication that they weren't free. Jesus said, oh, you'll be free. And they're like, hang on a minute. We're very proud of our heritage. We're, we're the chosen people. We're descendants of Abraham. Well, that doesn't matter, does it? Regardless of your heritage, your ancestry, your good looks, your, your you know, connections, your talents, your social standing, your charming personality, whatever we've got to offer, it's not enough. We are still going to be suffering from the effects of sin and you're enslaved by it without outside assistance. And then, of course, Jesus has the answer. He says, the truth will set you free. And that's an interesting statement, isn't it? Because in a general sense, truth does set you free from lies, from deception, from weird thinking. And there's a lot of weird thinking and theories and people saying, well, that's fake news. That might be fake news when they're saying that that's fake news because maybe that news was actually real. And they're the ones saying that that's fake news. And so there's a lot of stuff out there. But we can find truth. Oh, wow. And, and the lights come on and you can be set free from the, the control of those lies, the, the indoctrination or the propaganda or the negative effects of, of wrong thinking or weird ideas. Uh, and then, of course, in a more specific sense, Jesus, you know, if we believe the truth about Jesus, then we are set free from the effects of sin because we receive forgiveness. Um, and, of course, he's talking about being a slave. Now, we have to really imagine being a slave. 
because uh, we don't have slaves, you know, in our homes and kicking around the streets of Gosford and around the place. But of course, for those people, they had a very clear idea of how unfree a slave was. Uh, they had slaves as an everyday part of life. People who had been forcibly removed from their family, kidnapped, taken, usually beaten into submission, sold in a marketplace like the cattle yards that Frosty's probably been to out in the sticks when he was a jackaroo and just sometimes even branded, often according to the Old Testament with a uh, uh, what's that word? All or something in the ear, you know, like a, and they'd get them up against the door, whack, and put a thing through their ear. And uh, not nice little, you know, hygienic thing the ladies do at the chemist, bing, getting a little earring, you know. Uh, you know, so they, they were owned by another human as a piece of property, like a dog or a pet, except you work them to death. You don't just feed them and pamper them and brush them and look after them, kick them around and they had to work. It's, as I said, we have to imagine that. But they, they, those first hearers had a very clear idea when Jesus said, you're a slave to sin. It's like, wow, there's an image. That's, that's a confronting thought. That's, you know, and these people, of course, as slaves, had no personal freedom to choose the direction of their life. Or to decide, well, I'm going to do this today. No, 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 that's decided for you. And that's the image that he's trying to get across because sin dictates to you the direction of your life. Your journey, your road, if you like, is not leading towards freedom but to bondage. And, and we live with this barrier between us and God so you can't have a relationship with him and because of that you you can't find or follow the great plan that he's got for your life because there's no communication channel going on. It's, it's completely blocked off. Now, that's the problem, but of course Jesus alludes to the answer. Know the truth. You'll be set free from that. And Paul picked up on this whole description of slavery in his letters, and I'll look at one of them. He uses another metaphor also that people at the time could strongly relate to. If you look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, uh, so Paul is writing to churches, which is exactly the region that that bloke I was talking to who travelled across overland all through what is modern-day Turkey, right, 2,000 years ago, Roman province of Asia Minor and Galatia. Uh, and Paul says in Galatians 4, when the right time came, God sent his son. When the right time came. And of course, Bible historians tell us how the Roman Empire was at its culmination, the golden glory years of the Roman Empire. So there was perfect uh, safe travel for the gospel to get out, Greek language everywhere, Roman roads, shipping and all that. So there was just the right time. God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, Old Testament law and bondage as a result, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the Spirit of the Son into our hearts, prompting us all to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Wow. So, uh, Again, first readers of this would understand how in Roman times, an owner 
Notice he says there, uh, you were slaves. But then it says, but Jesus has made for a way for us to be adopted as his very own children. You know, people often say we're all children of God. We're not children of God. We're not, you're not born a child of God. You're created by God. But sin has kept you from the family of God. But we can be adopted into God's family. And what they used to do back then in Roman times, if a owner of a slave wanted to, he could adopt that slave into his family. Not just set him free from slavery, but he would go through a, a ceremony and a procedure and, uh, and that slave, maybe the, you know, the, the owner, the parents, uh, well, maybe they weren't parents. Maybe the owner and his wife had no children and they had a young, uh, young man or young woman and the slave had just been really well connected with the family growing up, obediently working and uh, they just felt a heart connection with them. Or maybe they had other children, but again, this slave had just been such a good fit good mates with the other son and, and perhaps but for whatever reason, sometimes they could say, listen, we're not, not, not just going to set you free. We're going to adopt you into our family. And that would blow that slave away. <laughs> they would be really uh, pretty impressed by that. They would be like, wow, because not just am I like, yeah, I'm not a slave. I'm not going to get beaten and chained and told what to do so much. I have rights as a son. I'm an heir. And so if this family was, you know, well-to-do, this kid has gone from slavery with no future to freedom and an incredible future because there's going to be an inheritance when my father, wow, can I call you that? Yes, dad, daddy, Abba, you know that word, Aramaic, meaning a real dad close relationship, not just father, just father, not a distant, cool relationship, close relationship. And he's saying, look, that is as amazing for, what, for us as what would have happened back then for some slave kid to be adopted into the family with all the rights. And let's hope that the natural born son, if there was one, wasn't too jealous. Oh, it's all cool. We're sharing, you know, whatever. But they are now part of the family inheritance and uh, right up front with dad in the chariot, the whole kit and caboodle, you know, like shoddy. Oh, no, you were in the front seat last time. You know, uh, maybe gets his own horse. You know, gets educated, not just serving the food when the tutor comes around, but, you know, actually sits there and learns and gets educated and has opportunity to build a career. Incredible. And so that is us in a spiritual sense, that with this incredibly benevolent person has become our father. We've become his children, adopted into the family. And so at that point, we're set free from judgment for our sin, and, uh, and, and we're free. But what does that mean for us in terms of everyday living? Can I, does that just mean, hey, I'm free. I'm free to do whatever I like? Well, Paul addresses that because if you read the next chapter of Galatians, Galatians 5, he says this in verse 13. Okay, so you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Ah, so, you know, the Christian life is not just, yay, if I give my life to Jesus, I can then kind of just take it back, do what I like, and maybe just remember to throw up that prayer on my deathbed, and in the meantime, have a whole lot of fun. And there's always this perception that if I don't do things my way, it won't be fun. 
You know, if I follow God, obey God, it sounds like my life's going to be boring and it's such a lie because people use their freedom all by themselves and destroy their life sometimes or at least fall far short of how good it would have been if they'd followed the Lord. But so we get, but it's our choice. We have free will. And especially once we've been given freedom from God, we, we now get to decide, what am I going to do with that freedom? And he says, well, look, what do we say to t- teenagers? Please, make good choices. You know, and uh, we know that as they're, when they're little, it's like, you'll do as you're told. You've got nothing, you know, Mia, please make good choices. Because, you know, you're getting a bit more freedom these days. You're, you know, before you know it, you'll be like, you'll be getting your, oh, me shaking her head. Good Christian parenting, authoritarian, strict. Yeah, right. Oh, no, I have no sympathy for you. Uh, it's a great parenting connection you've got there. But at some point, you know, Mia might get her learner's permit. You know, she might sort of go, go she might then get her peas, wants to go driving and all, oh, my friends are all going there. How, the negotiations about what time do I have to be home? Oh, 10, 10, 30, 11, 11, 20, 20, you know, it's like, um, you know, and so there's, but so in the same way, we've got freedom, but we should use our freedom in the right way. In other words, to serve God. And in fact, he says right there, to serve others, not serving ourselves. That's the first inclination our base, sinful, old man nature has, isn't it? Just, it's so easy. The easiest path is usually not the best path, however, in life. You know, whether it's, oh, so many different, uh, you know, examples of that. It could be, you know, studying, working hard to build a great career. Well, that's not easy, but it's a whole lot better than being a bludger and then just getting whatever boring job comes along or no job at all and, uh, you know, and, and, and just and in relationships, you know, uh, not putting any effort into that friendship or that marriage. Uh, and then wondering why you're not blessed like someone over there is because they have sown in to those friendships or that marriage. They've made an effort. They've put aside their, their themselves sometimes and they've given their time, their life energy to help that person build the friendship, help them up when they're down or, you know, love in, in an active way in the marriage. And now they're reaping the rewards from what they've sown. So whether it's, you know, finances, saving, whether it's uh, fitness and health, you know, actually, I mean, who likes exercise, really? You know, like the, the endorphins, the, the happy drugs that you get after, that's great. But they, wouldn't it be nice if you get the endorphins first? If you wake up and you thought, I think I'll exercise. Bing! Oh, I'm so pumped. And then you just find yourself running out the door. Your legs are just, oh, this is so cool. It's never that way. You just go, I've got to exercise. I don't want to shut up. And you have this little conversation with yourself, you know, and then you finally get your act together. And that's why routines are good because if you get it in the diary and there's no complaint, it's not like, I mean, if you wait around for the moment of, you know, the epiphany, oh, it's time to exercise, it never comes. I think it was Paul Hogan said, sometimes I feel the urge to exercise. And he said, and then I just lie on the couch till that urge goes away. You know? <laughs> so, but if you have the discipline or the routine, you just get out there and exercise. And then before you know it, you're half waking up, you know, and it's like you're out there jogging or running or whatever you do. And then you just, after a while, it's like, oh, no, this is good. It's good. Great. And afterwards, you feel great. So there's effort. And, of course, if you're young, it's not just, you know, aerobic. It's looking gorgeous. So, you know, boys, you go to the gym and the more you do this, the more the chick magnet gets built, you know, whatever. You know. And so, um, 
uh, you just, no pain, no gain, you know what I'm saying. Uh, and so, um, so we, you know, we're our road to freedom, we reach the cross, we repent, we receive salvation, we're free from judgment for sin, we're free from spiritual death, from the effects of sin, but our journey, our road goes on with freedom and we've got to determine. And you want to make sure your road is not just this boring cul-de-sac, you know, of, of, of Christianness where you just speak Christianese and you just become a nice, boring person. Uh, or worse, you're not that nice at all, you're not really changed, you're selfish, you're sinful, and you just get your ticket to heaven. Uh, you know, because the road should lead us on. In God, it can be a great adventure, you know, challenging, frightening, annoying. I, I love the fact when Luke was reading that passage, you know, at the end of Matthew, uh, when Jesus appears, it says they were frightened, they were full of fear, oh, and they were also full of joy. I think, yeah, that's the Christian journey. So I go, oh no, this is great. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, it's exciting. And so sometimes there's a whole range of emotions, but it's better than being boring, yeah? Better than just having nothing going on. And you find that when you follow the Lord. And so our road to ultimate heavenly freedom will have challenges. And yet that is part of the great adventure of life. If you want to follow Christ, follow His calling on your life, Oh, you, you give of yourself in prayer, in, in serving in the local church, in, in reaching out and overcoming a little awkwardness, in, in witnessing or whatever it may be. The Lord, the Holy Spirit leads us out of our comfort zone into a place that is a little challenging, like that picture, you know. That's, that guy's got a great view on the top of that mountain, but I don't think he got just helicoptered in, you know, hair and makeup, get the photo, psh, taken away you know no no he worked his way up there and all the better the view for the work or the mountain climbing craziness like Luke's got all the gear you know and it it's ridiculous some what some of those mountain climbers get up to but whether whether it's just a, a bush walk where you're puffing or some psycho wall you know mountain climb when you get to the top the more the effort the the better the experience and that's true of the Christian life. And it's, but the great thing is, it's, it's not effort in ourselves, is it? Jesus' yoke is easy. His burden is light. So we work with him. But it is a will. It is a, uh, a higher, greater road for us rather than just, you know, piddling around in the cul-de-sac with our self-centred, materialistic, short-term thinking that so many people get caught up with. So... Come on, let's appreciate today the freedom that Jesus offers us and, and may you take hold of that freedom by faith from being held bondage to sin and to its effect and then use your freedom well so you are wisely serving him and serving others. Amen? Praise him. Come on, let's pray. Father God, we thank you again for sending your son Jesus. We thank you for the power of love, of forgiveness that's paid for on the cross. We, we turn from our sins, we repent, we turn to you, we receive forgiveness. And we thank you for freedom, but freedom to make good choices to follow you. May we all attend to that, consider that, what it looks like in our lives to be not just following our own inclinations and expecting you to follow us along and bless us. But may we follow you, follow your leading, follow your calling 
wherever it may go, even if it requires sacrifice. We lay our lives down, but we thank You for the life that You give us, that You provide us as a result. I pray Your touch on us all here, that we can attend to this and figure out how it applies to our lives in Jesus' Name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.